Okay, so what's the word on the street about the summit, about our church? And if you listen, if you listen, and I try to, especially like if I have a hat on and I'm incognito and sunglasses kind of thing, I, I, I love eavesdropping in on people's conversation because I can just like, I know, I know. Um, you'll hear positive and negative things. It's just, and that, that would be true for any organization, any church, anything, just like, you know, the things in, in your life. Um, but one of the positive things you'll hear, if you listen, almost always people will eventually talk about the music. And just music is so, so great, so talented. And uh, when you think about the, most of the people on the stage that are playing and singing are volunteers, and they have day jobs elsewhere and do this. I mean, that's just the talent and the commitment and the passion. It's just mind-blowing the music. And I know some of you are like, well, it's a little loud. And we have little earplugs back there. <laughs> you can pick up. We, we kind of like it that way. That way you can sing as loud as you want and nobody hears you except you, right? People think everybody can hear them. They don't sing. So there's a method to the madness, I promise. Anyway, uh, another thing you'll hear that's positive, you'll hear people eventually talk about our children's and kids and family ministries, our student ministries, Impact, Kids Summit Peak, uh, phenomenal. Volunteers make it possible. In fact, that's why the environments are so incredible is because volunteers like you. But it's just excellence and safe and exciting and engaging. Love, love our family ministries and have always been something we greatly uh, focus on here at the summit. Now, some negatives. You'll hear negatives too. One of the one of the probably most common negative I hear when people, you know, are talking about the summit. They'll say, "Well, you know, I know they mean well, and and I'm sure they help some people, but they're really it's just about entertainment. That church, it's just they're just wanting to entertain people, and they think that's a negative. But when I hear that, I go, "Yes, I think it's a compliment." Because if you look up the word entertainment, what you will find is that it is centered about helping people have an enjoyable experience. So what I want to say is, and so church is supposed to be miserable? That explains a lot for a lot of people. And, I, and the pushback is, oh, no, it ain't supposed to about being enjoyment. You need to give people what they need. Give people what they need. Tell them what they need to know. Okay, here's a novel idea. What if you can give people what they need and they like it. And they enjoy it. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, that's like, is that so hard? But if you listen to people talk about the summit, almost always, if you listen to them talk about it long enough, you're going to hear them talk about how this church serves in the community. On purpose. We focus a lot on serving. And, and thank you. Because that is because of you guys you guys serve. I've never been around a group of people that have a heart and passion for serving and meeting needs in schools, in agencies, in the community, in the neighborhood. I've never been around anybody with the heart of service like you people have a heart of service. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Phenomenal. And I believe heaven applauds as well. But in this series, why we do what we do, have you ever thought about why? We serve. I mean, it's such a big deal here. You don't have to be here long to figure that out. Why do we serve? I mean, you need to know why. You need to know why because if you serve, when you understand why, it will give you even greater passion and motivation for serving others. 
And if you don't serve, then it'll help the light come on for you. You're like, you know what? I should join those army of servants. I should join the team. I should jump in too. When you understand the why. And when we're talking about serving, we mean in multiple levels. I mean, obviously, we serve each other here at the summit. Internally, we serve and, you know, our family ministries and uh, parking cars and greeting people. We serve each other here, and we should. I mean, if we can't serve each other, I mean, that's just very basic. But it goes beyond that. I'm talking about serving in the community, outside these four walls, in Kernersville, in Oak Ridge, outside of our location, serving in the community, in schools and agencies and wherever. But not just that, but at your house, where you live, in your neighborhood. We want to be people who serve at home, too, at work, too, wherever we go as well. We just want to be people who serve. But have you ever thought about why? There's probably a lot of reasons. In fact, I know there are. But I'm going to give you just four reasons of why we serve. And understanding these four things will help you continue to serve with greater passion or maybe motivate you, hopefully motivate you, to join us. Now, this is a departure from how I typically uh, teach, preach, talk, whatever you call what I'm doing right now. And I usually have this big idea and we build everything around this and, that, and just focus so you have a takeaway, a feeling, a thought, a, a resolve on a focus. Today's going to be different. I'm, I'm going to give you four things. One, two, three, four. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but I think when we're done, we should make the case of, of why we serve. So let me, let me start. Number one, we're looking real simple here. Here's why we serve. Because Jesus served and he asked us to. He served and he asked us to serve. Like he served and then commanded us to do that. It's like, this is what I'm doing and I want you to do it as well. In fact, the most distinguishing characteristic of the love of Jesus, I believe, is how and that he served. He served and how he did it. The most distinguishing characteristic of his love. Let me give you a snapshot of, of this and, and there's so many examples in the scriptures, in the New Testament especially, in Jesus' ministry that I could point to. But I want to unpack a moment a little bit in that we find in John chapter 13. John recorded this because he was there and he experienced this moment and he, he remembered it well enough to write it down for us. Because I'm so thankful that he did. Jesus was with his disciples at dinner right before he was crucified. This is the last week of Jesus' right in that last week period of Jesus' life and He's with his disciples, and they got ready for dinner. And when they were getting ready for their dinner together, Jesus washed the disciples' feet before dinner. They're like, well, why? I mean, back then it was not like, wash your hands. Mom's like, wash your hands and your feet. I don't think so. Right. That, but back then, when people ate, they didn't pull up to tables that sit like, you know, 28, 30 inches off the ground kind of thing with, you know, seats. They, they reclined. They reclined on, on the ground, and tables were uh, more, you know, close to the ground. And, which means if I'm reclined and I'm eating like that and I'm on the ground, my feet are at the same level of the person next to me. Ooh. Right? So you wash those things, you know, because you walk everywhere you go back then, or you're riding a horse or a donkey or a wagon or, or a chariot or whatever, and everybody had on Jesus sandals, who your feet where your toes were hanging out the whole time, you know, it's just like. Or Burks, okay, for those of you who don't know what Jesus' sandals are. 
Right, okay. Are you with me? You need to wash your feet. It was customary. But before they washed their feet, Jesus put a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet. Wouldn't we all agree? That's a humble act of service. Watch what happened. Jesus said, now, fellas, now that I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Now, if I'm sitting there going, well, I, you just washed our feet. I don't have to wash my feet now. Because that's what, what we're talking about in this moment. <laughs> He's saying going forward. I have set you an example. That you should do as I have done for you. That you should do as I have done for you. And he wasn't just talking about washing feet. Thank goodness. He was saying, I served you, now you copy, paste that into your own life, you treat each other the way I've treated you. This is, this is simply about obedience, duty, obligation. However you want to get to the describing it, Jesus served and told us to serve each other. Jesus served and commands us to serve each other. We follow him, and because we follow his example in everything, we should serve. Now, this always comes up when you talk about serving in the context of the local church. And this is primarily because back in the 1990s, if you were around then in the church world in the 1990s, you will remember that in almost every church, there was this kind of resurgence of and focus on this thing called spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And in the New Testament, especially in the book of Corinthians and then in Romans, you hear Paul talk about how God has given all of us special abilities and gifts. There's things that we're good at that other people may not be good at. We all have skills, and you know this. We figured this out just in the work world. We figured this out. But, but it's actually a spiritual thing, and we call them spiritual gifts. And people got so excited about spiritual gifts. Now, all these spiritual gift assessments, maybe you've taken one before. I, I think I've taken every one that's ever been made and trying to figure myself out because I'm, I'm, I'm an oddity. And so, you know, all this kind of stuff, spiritual gifts, and we figured out our spiritual gifts. And that's a wonderful thing. That's great. That means I'm good at stuff you're not good at, and you're good at stuff that I suck at, and we come together and we, and we work, right? Some people are people people, and some people are like, no, you don't want them around people. Don't let them talk to anyone. Let them crunch numbers. Let them do charts and graphs. And that's, that's not the only two categories. I mean, there's a bunch of different things. Because when you talk about serving, sometimes people go, but that's not my gift. Hmm. Well, no, that... That's not my spiritual gift, and the test says so. Right, there are no spiritual gift tests in the Bible, okay? We made those things up, and they're great tools. There's nothing wrong with them. They help you think through that stuff. Spiritual gifts are great. Find out what you're good at and lean into that, because we all know this. When you're doing what you love to do and you're good at doing, even though it wears you out, it's life-giving as well. You know that. By God's design, it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes when it comes to serving... You just need to roll your sleeves up and jump in. Gosh dang it, just serve. Just, that's my spiritual gift and all that. Just lay it all aside. Doesn't matter your giftedness, doesn't matter your training, it doesn't matter. Just lay it aside and we serve each other. Because Jesus served and told us to. Number two, this is why we serve. This is why we do it. The serving around here is such a big deal because serving is about love. You're like, well, why is that a reason? Because, oh, Almost all of you, even people who don't go to church, says, love, yeah, I love God and love people. I love everybody. I love everybody. I love, love, now I don't go to church and all, but I love God. Don't get me wrong. And you know what? And I love people too. There ain't nobody I don't love. 
Really? Okay, great. Then let's, let's serve each other. Being motivated by love is a higher motivation. It's, it's a more mature way of looking at it. But that's what serving really is about. Now, let me go back to this moment. We'll see it in this moment when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And he said, now, I've washed your feet, and I want you to do, what, I want you to do for each other what I've done for you. <clears throat> and then he said this, that this part that's going to be very familiar to you. If, if you've been around the summit for any amount of time, we've talked about this, and we've talked about it a lot before, and we're going to talk about it again right now, and we're not done talking about it after today. We're going to continue to talk about it because this is a foundational focus for our church. It's big. After washing disciples' feet, telling them to wash each other's feet, this is what Jesus said. Now, I'm going to give you a new command, fellas. Love each other. Love one another. But, but you don't get to decide what love is, and I don't get to decide what love is. I mean, it was right there, and, they, and Jesus was like, you, you want to know what love is? You want me to show you? That's where the song came from. <laughs> As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That, that's what we're going to define love as. Jesus said, no, you don't get to make up your own idea. You know, everybody, you know, what's love to someone who's not love? No, 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 no. Jesus said, here's love. I've loved you. You know how I've loved you. Now, I want to, by the way, I just washed your feet. So there's another example of how I've loved you. I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. Serving is the context for that statement. That's why we talk about this so much. That's why we love first. We love first because he loved us first and love first should be a first priority for us. Just like it was for him. He said, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. Love is in the context of serving here. This passage is beautiful and as powerful as it is, is in the context of serving he went on to say, this is how the world's going to know your mind anyway. This is how the world's going to know that you belong to me anyway when they see how you love each other and how you serve one another. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Matter of fact, let me be more specific. Serving is about love for Jesus. People say, I love God. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Let's serve. You should just become a more serving person if you really love God the way, if you really love Jesus the way you say you love Jesus out of gratitude, out of worship, because of all he has done for us. I, I was reading not long ago and came across the writings of the 17th century monk, and we all love to read monk stuff, right? I mean, everybody. That's probably just me. The 17th century monk that we call Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence wrote about doing things, no, doing little things for the love of God doing little things for the love of God and how we should do, do little things for the love of God. Now, I was in a hurry when I was reading. The first time I read that, I, this is how it came through in my mind. Do little things for the love of God. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> back up, back up. Read that again. Read the context. Because sometimes, I, you know, sometimes as a pastor, sometimes I feel that. As a parent, sometimes you feel that, right? Make up your bed, dang it. Do little things for the love of God. People don't think about that, right? You just think, well, I want to do big things for God. I want to do great things for God. I want to do big things for God. And he says, oh, wait, 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 what about doing little things? Because you love God. Because he, it's about love for Jesus. But let me take it a step further. Serving is about love, not just for Jesus, but for people. One of the most loving things you can do for people is serve them and meet a need in their life. Serving says love 
more than almost anything else. Serving says, I'm aware of what's going on in your life and I care about it. And I see that there's a mess in the world and I care about it. And I see that there's messiness in your life and I care about it. And I wanna help meet that need. Serving says love for people. But let me take one step further still, okay? Serving is about love, but more specifically, Jesus's love for people through you. Now get that, that's a mind blower right there. That we serve because of love for Jesus, because of love for people, and because Jesus's love for people flows through us when we serve. Love each other the way I have loved you. When you serve other people, they get to know a lot about who Jesus is. This Jesus that you say you follow, this Jesus that you say you love, they get to know who he is when they experience his love. It flows through us to other people. They get to know him through us. Wow, pretty awesome. That's why we serve. Because Jesus did it and he said do it. And, and then secondly, serving, it's about love. Let me take it a step further. Number three, why do we serve? Because serving helps people grow. It helps us become who we want to become, who we really want to become as people, you know, with depth of character and integrity and maturity, and it helps us become who God created us to be. Serving helps us grow, helps us mature. It helps change the ways that need, the things that need to be changed and the ways they need to be changed. Serving does that. I'll say this. The only thing I think that's more transformative than serving is pain and suffering. Pain and suffering will help grow you up and change you more and faster than anything else. Ain't that right? Right? Ain't nothing like pain whoo, to take you into the fast track of growing up in life and maturity and all that. And so we'll talk about that at another time. In fact, beginning of the new year, we'll do a series on that. But other than pain and suffering, I don't know anything else like serving that helps put you in your place and help do things in your life that nothing else can do. I mean, it grows you up, it matures you, you change. And good things happen in your life when you serve. Back to this moment, Jesus washed their feet. He said, I want you to wash each other's feet. In fact, just love each other the way I've loved you. That's my new command. We'll just summarize it all and say, this is my command. If you do this, everything else will fall into place. And then Jesus said this. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not you will be blessed if you pray about doing them. Not you will be blessed if you really think about doing them. Not you will be blessed if you really talk about it and plan on it and intend on it. God knows my heart. Mm -mm. You will be blessed if you do them. Yeah, Jesus started the hashtag blessed thing. Now, we've taken it and done way too many things with it. But good things will happen in your life. You'll be blessed in so many ways. Let me just hit a couple. I mean, it, it, keep your faith from becoming stagnant. I don't know anything to kickstart and jumpstart somebody's faith by getting their brain and their mind and their focus off themselves and their own issues and their own needs and their own lives and, and, and serve other people. Boy, that'll, that'll kickstart your faith. It'll keep you from becoming self-focused. Me, 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 me. And all of us have a propensity to make it about me. So serving it helps you focus on other people. Serving actually um, brings unity. 
It does. You want to unify your family? Serve each other. You want to unify in your marriage? You want to get on the same page? Then serve your husband, serve your wife, serve each other. Both of you serving. Right? Not like being the other's parent. Not like that. But serving each other. Parents serving kids. Kids serving each other. Kids serving parents. That'll bring your family together. It'll bring our community together. It'll bring your office community together. It'll bring a church community together. Nothing, almost nothing, is as unifying as serving. I mean, people come together. Unity, and that's a beautiful thing. And here's the funny thing, is that we talk about the good things it brings in our life. I hear people say this, and when I hear people say that, it's this for the first time. The first time somebody experiences what I'm getting ready to say, it's a shock to them, it's a surprise to them. But then they begin to warm up to it, and they become to, begin to expect it, and, and here's the deal. If you talk to someone, and you've had this experience, and for the first time, you really get out there and serve and meet a need in someone's life, and, and then they say as a result, you know what? The odd thing was, I feel like I got more out of it than they did. I feel like I was more blessed than they were. I felt like I, felt like I was the winner here, and, and I feel like I ended up being more blessed than they were. What was that about? See what Jesus is saying. You'll be blessed if you do it. Jesus also talks later about, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I mean, this is everywhere in the New Testament, gang. Yeah. We serve because it helps us grow and become and good things happen in our life. I've heard it said, and I love this, I love this, that the best way to find yourself, and everybody's all about, I'm, I'm just trying to find myself, I'm just trying to find myself. You know how crazy that must sound from other cultures? Come to America, you, you know, I'm just in a period of life where I'm trying to find myself. Here's a mirror, there you are, let's move on. And I'm like, come on. I'm just trying to find myself. Okay, the best way to find yourself, if you're looking for yourself, okay, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself. Get over yourself and lose yourself in the service of others, and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how you grow. Number four, why do we serve we serve because serving brings true greatness. True greatness. True greatness. When you serve, I mean, that you just become great. And isn't that what we all want? Come on. Isn't that what we all want? I want to be great. You want to be great. We want to be known. We want to be seen. We want to be valued. We want to matter. We want significance. We all want to be great. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. But there's a different way of going about it than what is often humanly assumed. Let me give you another example of this. In Jesus' ministry, there was this, this day, this afternoon, when he was having a conversation with his disciples, and his disciples got into an argument. They got into an argument over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, who was going to be most significant, who did Jesus look at and say, you guys are top of the ladder. I mean, and how do you move up? And who is a little bit higher on the you know, ladder than other people? And they got an argument. Well, it's me. It's us. It's me. I want to be. No, I want to be. I want to be. And here's, here's the interesting thing. James and John were brothers. They were both disciples. They were in this argument. And they went to their mom and got their mom involved in the conversation. 
and put their mom up to going to talk to Jesus on their behalf. Hilarious. Especially because, you know, John was probably still a teenager at this time, a young teenager following Jesus. You know, mom, 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 could you take Jesus some of your famous pumpernickel bread and then go? Okay, I might have made that last part up. But, and when, and can you ask Jesus if we can, who's the greatest? And if we can kind of have the high status, mom, he can't say no to you. He's going to say no to you, mom. Watch what Jesus did. Jesus called them together. Come on, come on, everybody in, everybody, let's go. Everybody in, huddle time. Fellas, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the world we live in, this Roman-dominated empire, you know the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over people. In other words, it's all about power and greatness and power plays and power struggles and their high officials exercise authority over them. Fellas, you know. You know what it's like around here. You know how power works. You know how to become great around here is about how to more authority and power, authority and power and status. You have to assert yourself. And they're all going, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, we all know. Watch this. Not so with you. Seinfeld fans, anybody? Seinfeld fans, remember the soup Nazi? No soup for you, right? That guy just passed away recently, I think. It's just sad. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, you didn't ruin your Sunday. Every time I read this, that's the voice I hear in my head, okay? I, not, not so with you, right? right? Come on, you had it fun. This is why some people don't read the Bible. They read it like, wah, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, wah, wah. You know, read it. With, this happened, all right? You know, Jesus is like, you know, you know, you know, not so with you. Instead, who wants, whoever wants to be great, James, John, all you, all me, must be your servant. You see, what Jesus is saying is that greatness looks different in the kingdom of God. Greatness looks different in the kingdom of heaven. Greatness is counterintuitive, true greatness, that is, the way Jesus defines greatness. And who has definition are you really going to care about other than Jesus' definition of greatness? Because if you think you're great, and I think I'm great, and we think each other are great, but Jesus looks at us and goes, hmm, that's great, then are we great? But Jesus' definition of greatness is counterintuitive. It's upside down and it's not glamorous. Because it goes on to give an example of what he means by greatness. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself. This is me. I did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, isn't that odd? Because he's king. And don't kings? Kings, you serve a king, right? King shows up, everybody bows, everybody serves. King, 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 king. Lord, master, everybody serves them. And Jesus said, yeah, I, even me. And, and, and you fellas at this point, and you know who I am and you believe. But even me, I didn't, I didn't come to be served. But to serve. And to give my life, to give his life. See, that's what the Son of Man came to do as a ransom for many. To serve to the point of laying down my life. To serve to the point of dying for you boys and the world. He said that, that is what greatness is about. Totally unexpected, right? And when you serve, you align yourself with that and you get in line for true greatness. Now, human nature, human nature, me, you, we all want to be recognized. 
It's just human nature. We want to mention, right? I mean, great. Could you tag me? Could you tag? Make sure you tag me. No. We all want to be tagged. And I don't mean like freeze tag kind of thing. That's a different kind of tag. You know what I'm talking about. We all want to mention. We all want, to some degree, to be noticed. We all want, in church world, we want a plaque with our name on it. So the people know that our family gave the money for that seat, that pew, that wall, that wing. People will do that. They'll, they'll call us some and say, hey, we'd like to donate some money. Great, great. There's a tall wooden box and give them a lot. Yeah, but wait, but wait, can we get a plaque? No, we don't do that. Well, why not? We don't do that. We don't name wings after people. We eat wings. Okay? We just don't do that. Right? And if you don't like that, you can go somewhere else where you can plaster your name on all kinds of stuff if you want to so that when you're dead, we can go, that's what they did. Okay, great. That's your applause. But that's not what we do. Because we work really hard. We work really hard to not let it be about me or you or us. We want to make this as much as we can without this being cliche. I know it sounds cliche. And if you're looking, if you're looking for a reason to be skeptical, you, you'll jump on this. I know, but understand, we don't want it to be cliche when we say we really want this to be about Jesus. We really want it to be about Jesus to the best of our ability. So we're not going to make a name for me. We don't want to make a name for ourselves. We're not trying to make a name for our church. That's why when we, our shirts don't say, Summit. Our shirts are love first. Now, if you see a bunch of love first shirts, you're going to start asking questions. Nothing wrong with that. We're not afraid. We're not ashamed. We're just, we don't, yeah. Okay, okay one more thing before we move on to the last thing. You said, well, last thing? I thought we've already done four. Hey, yeah, I know, but there's one more. You know what this means? You know what this really means? This may be the most significant thing you hear me say today. I want you to chew on this. Talking about true greatness is through serving. What this means is, is that you and I don't see and you and I don't know the greatest people in the kingdom of heaven. We don't know their names and we don't see what they do. The greatest people. Now, now in our celebrity culture, even in our Christian celebrity culture, right, right, we know names, we know names of people who do great things and there's nothing wrong with giving people credit and you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't have a problem with that and I don't think God has a problem with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. However, the true, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest people, you have yet to learn who they are. You don't know their names. You don't see what they do. But they are truly great. And I believe, and don't tell me otherwise, you can't prove it otherwise. Based on this, I think I've got a good amount of evidence to say my hunch is one day in the kingdom of heaven, God's going to pull people and say, hey, 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 sweetie, come up here. Come up here. I want to introduce you. To the family and say, here's somebody whose name you've never met. You've never known her. This, this young man right here, you don't know who he is. No one really knows who he is, but this is what they did for us, for me, for the kingdom, and all of heaven will applaud. That is true greatness. We don't see him. We don't know him. And I tell you what, it ain't got nothing to do with the spotlight. True greatness. I want to leave you with a principle that is a life principle, and it certainly applies to serving. That's why I bring it up. But it's bigger than that. It applies to everything in life. It, it applies to everything that matters in life and some things that don't matter. It just, it's just a powerful principle. And here's the principle. Determination is greater than motivation. Just sit with that and chew on that a while. You, you'll see what I'm saying is true. Determination is greater than motivation. Motivation's great. I love motivation. Motivation's awesome. I love when I'm motivated. But I'm often I'm not motivated. 
and I have to be determined to do what I ought to do, what I know I need to do, what God has asked me to do, even when I'm not motivated to do it. See, this is a life principle. This right here will make all the difference in your marriage. Be determined to love when you're not motivated to love. When you've lost that love and feeling and it's gone, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Are you with me? Yeah, you know, it takes determination. Parenting. Does it not take determination at two in the freaking morning? Right? Absolutely. Another mess, another disaster, another drama, another. Does it take determination with teenagers? Right? Mm -hmm. How about your job? Determination is greater than motivation. Because some days you don't want to get up and go to work, do you? When you come into serving, again, you apply this to anything that matters, but serving, determination is greater than motivation because we're all busy. We're all busy and I got stuff going on. I don't have time to worry myself with your issues and your issues and your needs and your needs. I got needs of my own. I mean, come on, come on. I got my own issues here. And so my motivation's waning here. I don't, so I've got to be determined. You've got to be determined to serve. And to be quite honest, Sometimes I just don't feel like it. I just don't. So I've got to be determined. It's greater than motivating to be determined to serve. Now here at the summit, we believe everyone can serve somewhere. We, I mean, we mean it. Everybody can serve somewhere. Discover your giftedness, great. Tell us what you're good at, great. We'll try to find a way for you to serve, whether it's in this church or in the community or I know everybody can go home and serve. I know there's a mess at the house. I know there's issues there. I know there are opportunities every single day at the office where you work. The people that you work with, those crazy people you work with, you're, you're surrounded with opportunities to serve. Just serve. But what about me? Lord will take care of you. He promised. He said, if you do these things, I'll bless you for doing them. So let's do what Jesus said. Let's do it because we love. Let's do it because we want to grow. Let's do it because we want to experience true greatness. Let's serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. Oh, we need this. We need this. Because our lives are so layered and it's so easy for me to turn in and just get overwhelmed, drowning in my own stuff and problems and issues and questions and challenges and, and my own to-do list and things that have to be get done around the church and around the house and in the neighborhood is just, I mean, to think about serving, I'm just like, ah, the father, may I be determined when I'm even not motivated and may my motivation yield itself to the fact that you served and I'm your follower, so I should serve. And I love you, and I'm trying to love people, and I want your love to flow through me to others. And I know I need to keep growing and changing, and becoming and maturing, and I really do want to be truly great beyond anything that a temporary spotlight could bring to any of us. All of that's temporary. We want to experience true greatness. Father, I ask you to help me Develop a heart of serving like Jesus. And not just me, 
But I have a room full of friends here, a room full of friends in Oak Ridge, and all my friends and brothers and sisters watching online from wherever they are. We all want the same things too. So for wherever we are, whatever environment we are, may we just simply roll up our sleeves and serve one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.